Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And joining us once again are uh, Alexandra Cole and Lizzie Boys. Yay! The dynamic duo. Plus. Yes, we, and we are continuing our Satoshi Kone coverage once again. We, we have kept our promise. We're now talking about his third of four films, Tokyo Godfathers. And we're doing it just in time for Christmas. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, this episode will be airing on the uh, the 21st, which is great. So Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you get everything you want. You you have a nice uh, one. Maybe have a few more people than the last Christmas last year. So, you know, we're all Yay. happy for you. Spend some good time with whatever family you have. Yes. Yeah. And it could be, it could be any family, whether it's found family, uh, just like what this movie is about. Yeah. Tying it in, tying it in. So let's just... Uh... <laughs> You're a sucker for the tie-in. You're a sucker for, yeah. Well, there's a, really, there's a really good tie-in because right now uh, we're still in our Cowboy Bebop coverage, Malcolm. And guess what? This film was written was co-written by Keiko Nobumoto, who was the screenwriter for Cowboy Bebop. Oh, damn. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. So I'm yeah. one of the screenwriters, I feel like, because it's a TV show. TV show, but she was like the main one. She was basically the showrunner. Yeah. It was she also her... wrote the movie, the Cowboy Bebop movie, so it makes sense. Yeah, we, there's a lot of things we were going to cover. Um, but yeah, Conan actually asked Nobumoto to write the script for Perfect Blue, but it was actually turned down because she was too busy uh, working on one of the greatest anime of all time. So a fair, you know what? It worked out for Perfect Blue. It worked out for Cowboy Bebop. So, you know, timing is Hey, that's a, that's a statement, Jack. One of the greatest anime of all time. You Cowboy Bebop. Not, you have not watched Cowboy Bebop yet, Alex? That you know what that's so funny? Alex and I sound the exact same. That's me, man. Oh, Lizzie. <laughs> wow. No, I think I, I think wow. I, I think I think I knew it was you, but again, we're talking with like we've got two guests, so it confuses me. Well, and we sound the same. <laughs> we right? really we do. Also, yeah. We also happen to look uh, the same. Nah. You know the amount of times we've been um uh confused for each other at work. It happened yesterday, it happened before. <laughs> Anyway, which you can understand with masks on, but I mean, we are different heights and we have completely different like facial structures. Like it just doesn't make any sense. That's true. I guess like with the mask, right? It's like, it's all about like, oh, you've got similar eyes. I feel like that's what everyone's talking about. about Your hair is like blonde brownish. Like, therefore you are Alexander Cole. (laughs) You are the same person. Anyway, anyway, we love a good detour. You have not watched Cowboy Bebop though? What the hell? No, no, I haven't. I <laughs> just stop just stop you can leave the podcast come on in sincerity in your voice you should do that now so how long of a break are we taking are we talking two hours three hours four hours several yeah. da- several weeks it feels like because it's a television yeah. show again back to uh tokyo godfathers keiko nobomoto she uh co-wrote it the thing about this movie is that you know kona is obviously worked with reality bending subject matter throughout his manga career and of course his feature film career but he wanted to focus the film is grounded in a way it's obviously set within reality but the unreality comes from the coincidences because that's what this movie is about and it just escalates so hard and i love it um this movie is great it came out in 2003 um obviously spirited away was eligible for the oscar and won that so I guess Malcolm, when we watch *Spirited Away* and, and for however many episodes, you'll uh, you can say whether it was warranted or not. It, I, here's the thing: um, I, I think unlike *Millennium Actress*, where it was unwarranted that Brother Bear 
callback uh, <laughs> deserved any recognition on any level. Um, I you can I make an argument that Spirited Away uh, deserved a win, deserved to be nominated. Now there's some other movies uh, when I I saw nominated that I was like I didn't even realize this was a movie like Treasure Planet. Like Treasure Planet, that I've, you know. What's Treasure Planet? I've heard Great that's question. I only found out about it when I googled this just before the recording. Uh, it's a it's some sort of Disney animated movie um, in which um, Joseph Gordon Levitt plays uh, some sort of kid who like it's like a pirate spaceship guy. Like he's like on a pirate. Like it's like supposed to be like Magic Treasure Island. But it's also a sci-fi movie, and it's animated. Um, and then there's another movie that was nominated that year called Spirit, um, which apparently is about horses. Excuse me, Stallion of the Cimarron. That is a classic. Um, I-, I could probably seven-year-old me could probably quote lines from that movie. So we will not be hating on that movie on this podcast. I, I'm only saying much. it because I don't <laughs> remember it. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. I don't remember that movie. I feel like I must have watched it because, like, yes, this is like when I was like a kid. Like, this would have been like my demographic. I just don't remember Treasure Planet, <laughs> and I'm more upset that Treasure Planet got a nomination mm-hmm. than any of the others. Because you look at it, you're like Ice Age, classic, makes sense. Lilo and Stitch, classic, makes sense. Uh, Spirited Away, it's Miyazaki, Sue Ghibli, that makes total sense. And then you're like Treasure Planet, <laughs> not to the odd man out. <laughs> Treasure Planet had big pedigree. It was done by Musker and Clements, who did like the Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and uh, Moana and the Princess and the Frog. No, that's like big pedigree. But I know it was like a big flop, and it basically um, helped lead to the death of 2D animation at Disney. So I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to watch Treasure Planet before we cover uh, Paprika so I can offer uh, my two cents on that. So <laughs> yeah, I might that's... be like shitting on something that like is not as bad, but yeah, but they they didn't do a movie after that for a while, so. Yeah, um Treasure Planet uh budget 140 million, box office 110, and of course, you know, it was a Disney movie, so they probably spent a ton of money on marketing, so. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't do well. Uh, this is not the Treasure Planet podcast, though. Uh, we're talking Tokyo Godfathers. <laughs> yeah, let's just get into it. Let's get into it. So we open up. So we open up on our three heroes watching the Nativity play, and there's this like priest preaching about homelessness. And we have our three heroes. So we have um, Hana, who is a trans woman, uh, Gin, who is a an older homeless man, and Miyuki, who I think she's about like sixteen or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's like a teenage runaway. Yeah, she's a teenage runaway. I love these characters, guys. This movie is only 90 minutes, and I know, you know, I appreciate a tight 90, and it's definitely, it used, but, you know, I want, I want, I want to hang out with these people more. They're a lovely trio. Mm-hmm. The dynamic between, um, I think it's, um, no, I am getting the name wrong. Where's our it's, lovely lass? Uh, Miyuki. Miyuki. Yeah. Miyuki, thank you. Oh, yeah. And and Gin, you pronounced it? Um, yeah, Jack? it's Gin, Gin yeah. Yes. Gin, I, I said um, they, Their dynamic is hilarious, immediately. Yeah. They're almost like brother and sister, which is cute. And then, of course, how can you not love Hannah? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, let's just get the elephant out of the room. I mean, this is a film that, you know, has a trans woman um, prominently portrayed. I mean, how... How many feature films in general have like a trans woman lead like that you can name that aren't like low budget, you know, you don't see a lot of like 
make feature films in general with a trans lead, let alone one in 2003, for God's sakes. Like, and an animated on. film. In an animated film. Mm-hmm. Like, and also Japan, which is a, a country not exactly known. I mean, gay marriage still is not legalized in that country. So Japan is not the most progressive. Yeah, so. Japan's yeah, like I, right now their courts are just making the decision. I mean, Which makes right. it even more incredible that something like this was created and released. But I mean, that's kind of what the conversation was back in 2003. Like you, like for me, like I think like the, at least for me consciously about like, you know, trans people as, you know, just like, oh, they're part of society for me. It was like, it all kind of changed when like Caitlyn Jenner, like stepped yep. into the spotlight. For me, it was like yep. when I think trans people got into the public consciousness, like it was always there. Like you'd hear like, stories like i think uh like i remember like uh the comedian eddie izzard uh yeah. you know, eddie izzard now identifies as a uh, female yeah it's female but eddie Izzard's someone who as a comedian has really played with gender their whole career yeah. um and so it was interesting like that was probably the the next person i like could remember like my dad talking about that and so yeah it's like oh yeah this wasn't this like, this was not in the forefront. Like, it's kind of crazy because, yeah, you think this movie, there's almost this feels like this movie feels like it was made like last year. Like, it just feels like yeah. it's very modern. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the whole thing, like, the fact that this is like a 20 year old movie is kind of blew my mind a bit. Like, obviously, I knew it was, you know, a little older because Satoshi Kone has obviously passed away, as we've talked yes. about in the uh, in Perfect Blue um, yeah. and uh, Millennium Actress. But yeah. I mean, this one was, I don't know. It's like, this is such a quintessential, like, it feels like now, like, required Christmas viewing for me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just, like, I, yeah. like, was, I, like, got really, like, choked up watching it at the very end, where I was just, like, uh, in a way that, like, the other, his, like, Cone's other movies didn't. Because, like, this one felt way more emotional. Whereas, like, Perfect Blue and Millennium Actress are, like, on the edge of your seat, and they're super surreal, and you're like, I don't know what's real and what's not. Like, here, like, everything felt real. Like, it just mm-hmm. all... Like, there is the one scene, I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead, where, like, uh, Miyuki, like, is dreaming about, like, the, you know, the when she, like, stabbed her dad, and then, like, they all, like, her... Uh, she's like, where's the cat? And then it becomes, like, Hana holding the baby, and uh, again, you know being her dad and stuff like that and it's like all the trash and everything like that's like the most surreal scene in the whole movie like that's kind of quintessential cone everything mm-hmm. else is very played realistically outside of the, from the fact that they're like constantly outside and it's like snowing all the time and you're like how are they not freezing to death that would be the snow they made it look very cold but i it's um also like really um festive you know like you were saying malcolm the a year the annual christmas watch when i think of this movie i feel festive you know yeah 100 percent. i totally agree with lizzie here and just to throw it back and tie this back to our uh nice little millennium actress podcast that everybody should go and listen to with me and lizzie boys here i'm a partner in crime um i just would like to point out how gracefully everybody always ran through this snow not a single person slipped in the making of Tokyo Godfathers, let me tell you. Look at them with their stability. And we're proud of them for that. 
very proud of them for that. If you would like to see what we are talking about, which will throw you back to the uh, 2015 Black Ice Apocalypse of Vancouver, please watch <laughs> Millennium Actress and listen to our podcast. Oh, my God. That, yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> I was just thinking about my own time doing uh, Black Ice. I was walking up uh, Commercial Drive here, uh, in Vancouver and, uh, yeah, hit up uh, just and it, uh, there's like a slight hill. And I hit some black ice and I fell and then I slid down like almost a block. Like, no. I, just, like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just people were like do- had to dodge me. I'm like, I'm going I'm going down. And like, luckily, I just sorry, stopped. That's so funny. And luckily, it stopped just before like the street. But it was just like it got oh to the point God. where you're like, oh, it's oh, I'm, it's sore because I like landed on ice to this point where I was just like. I'm, it felt, felt like I was on a slip and slide. Like I was just like, oh, I guess no, I'm, Malcolm. I'm like, I just shrugged. I was just shrugging. I was like, yes, I guess this is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. It's it felt is. like I was in like, uh, like one of these, like this, it felt like a sequence that you'd, you'd see in a movie like this, where they're just like, oh, they're really playing this for comedic effect. <laughs> and my friend was like <laughs> standing Malcolm there, wa- just watched sliding. me. She was just like, it's just Malcolm's life. That's yeah, so she just, funny, dude. Oh, it was, yeah, I wish I was filmed. Like I really was like the one time where I was like, I was with my friend, and I was like, she was like, did you record that? <laughs> like, please. Like, 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 that would have been such good TikTok content, just to bring that from the TikTok archives. Content. Oh, dear God. Uh, Our lovely lass from uh, Millennium Actress would highly relate to you, welcome. <laughs> highly. Um, oh, but, yeah. But, guys, I want to ta- go back to, to – we're throwing it all the way back to representation here, because I just there's just one thing that I have to say about Hannah. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yes. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. Alex gave me the validation. Thank <laughs> you, Miss Cole. Um, is what I loved is they didn't make a deal about her character being trans. Like it's just Hana was just Hana, and that was mm-hmm. the fucking that was the deal. And then all of her character traits were all of her her writing around her character was about who she was as a person. It had nothing to do with her being trans, really. I mean, of course, we go into the um the um what what would you call it? Her kind of like her second home, which was um the drag club drag club so mm-hmm. that kind of hints towards it and talks about it but even then it wasn't about it being a drag club it was about the friendships in the home and the family that she had yeah um mm-hmm. yeah and that being, yeah, that like her, being her house mother home. from what i've like gathered from drag culture because my sister is very into um like rupaul's drag race and like mm-hmm. you know call me mother and all those shows like there's mm-hmm. always like the house of blank and so what she was clearly part of one of those like house of like you know mother yeah. or whatever they don't give mm-hmm. Her, I guess her house mother a name. She's just mother. But yeah, like for Hannah, like Hannah's clearly the emotional like lead of this story. Like it's yes. very clear. Like she's the one who's like, we got to like save the baby. Like she's the one who's like, wants to really nurture and take care of, you know, this baby and sort of drags, you know, um, Gin and Miyuki along on this adventure. Like, cause obviously Gin is, you know, an alcoholic, you know, gambler, He's abandoned his family, as we learned throughout the movie, you know. Um, and then Miyuki, obviously, is just sort of this, like, very, like, I don't know if repressed. I don't think repressed is the right word, but she's, you know, obviously someone who, like, you know, committed a very violent act uh, in running away. And she won't, like, you know, accept the fact that her, like, it's pretty obvious that her dad has forgiven her. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like, a reason why, like, she's not in, like, police custody or anything. Like every like interaction with her and her dad, like it, you don't see the dad like angry. <laughs> like it's actually phone. extremely heartbreaking and beautiful. Um, that part of the film for me, it's making me emotional thinking about it. How he she did that to her dad, but her dad 
forgives her. And you can see in that one um, sequence or scene where they cross each other in the, the um, subway and he's just looking at his daughter like he just wants her back home. Mm-hmm. Um, that made me want to cry. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Parents love, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. or even like the in the phone booth. Like that's the one thing that yeah. probably ages this film is like all the phone booth scenes. But uh, <laughs> I don't uh, think it does though, because a homeless person would a homeless person have a cell phone? Oh, T. I think I think nowadays probably you'd have like maybe like oh. those minute cards, like you know. But I, mean, I feel like I don't know. I was thinking more of like the accessibility of phone booths. Like you know, there's like a few okay. around, but like they're not as prevalent as they once were. Like I feel mm-hmm, like it's one true. of those things that have been slowly taken away. Like, I can't even imagine where a phone booth, like, say, like, we're, you know, we're all based in, like, uh, Vancouver area. That's like, I can't even imagine where a phone booth would be <laughs> now. Uh, I can't either. This is yeah. true. Uh, yeah, but I feel like it's, like, that scene as well where, you know, she's just, like, she's phoning home. And, you know, it's so obvious, like, the dad's, like, no, you can come back. Like, it's just, like, he wants to say it, but she's obviously not saying anything. And, like, yeah, again, it's so heartbreaking because she, she yeah. doesn't realize it. Like, because there, there's a, an element to this movie that, like, a lot of it has to do with some sort of shame, I feel like. Like, each character mm-hmm. has different levels of shame. And that's not just, like, the, our three leads, but, like, also, like, a lot of the side characters. Particularly, like, Shakio, who's, like, the woman at the very end of the movie, who's, like, turns out, we think, you know, so I'll skip ahead. We think she's the mother, but it's, like, mm-hmm. turns out she's not the mother, she had actually lost her baby and she'd kidnapped this other baby. And like, oh man, sorry. I'm just like jumping around because I, I really love this movie. That's great. Um, I want to start with like, first of all, this script is so goddamn good because it's, you know, this movie is about coincidences, but the way everything lines up and foreshadows it, like this is a movie that is so, you know, definitely you have to watch a second time. I mean, I've, I've got uh, 48 hours left in my rental, so I might even do that. But yeah, it's just so well constructed with the foreshadowing because you know, with our first main dialogue with um, Hana and Gin, like, you know, Hana is talking about how she wants a baby, but of course, you know, be, being a trans woman, she obviously can't. So she's like, you know, maybe maybe I can have it immaculately conceived. And then <laughs> the, the soup kitchen, you know, she's talking to this in front of a soup kitchen lady. And then later on, when they have the baby, um, there's a shot of the soup kitchen lady seeing her with a baby and being like, oh, my God. It happened. <laughs> it happened. Yes, like, I remember, yeah, Alex and I laughed at that. That was that was great. That's that's a brilliant joke. Like, even a fucking soup yeah. kitchen lady has a joke that pays off later in the movie. Yeah. Um, there there are plenty of Hollywood movies about coincidences or whatever, but I feel this film, especially again, it's a tight ninety minutes, and the fact that just every single thing has a payoff. Like it, it's it's economical. You know what I mean? Oh, that's a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie is like it's one of those ones where it's like uh you can describe it as like a tight 90, like it's like a very much like every moment matters. Like it, like there's no like there's no moments where you're sitting there going like, "Oh, this is filler." Like I felt like they really maximized it. Like you like you said, Jack, like there's an element where I'm like, I kind of almost wish this movie had like was 10, 20 minutes longer, but also I don't know if I want that cuz then it like maybe doesn't like hit the highs that it hits. If you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Well, the uh, extra 10 minutes that I would want in this film would be to see what the hell happens to Miyuki and with her and her dad. I want to see more about that. That's mm-hmm. what the extra 10 minutes I would use for. Mm-hmm. Would be about. Like, and why? Why did she go that far? 
you know. Anyway, it's just a side thing. I and just- how and how Gin and his daughter carry forward their relationship, and how the whole christening goes, where they're the godparents, like. Just want to see it all, you know. You don't want the movie to leave off where it left off. Yeah, it does end like kind of in a very like not necessarily a random spot, but it just it does kind of just end where it feels yeah, it just feels like end, and you're like oh. um, (laughs) But it also like it is kind of perfect. Like I do like that. You know the. I guess we're jumping around, but like that couple at the end, like the police inspector is like, you know, those three are homeless, and they're like, we don't care. Like they're the ones who saved our daughter when no one else tried to. So like, I do appreciate even that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, mm-hmm. turn. You know, the, one of the last twists was that this police inspector that they're meeting with, whose face we don't see until like the very end. You know, is Miyuki's father. <laughs> Which again, right. it kind of explains why like Miyuki has never been like hunted down by the authorities or anything. Wasn't he her dad? Her. Wasn't her dad trying to find her though? That that might yeah. He couldn't find her. He was putting out those like ads in the newspaper and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he was but, clearly wasn't using his police resources because I'm sure like probably could have done it faster. <laughs> but maybe he was maybe. also hoping that she would like come home at some point. And it's like instead of you know making because I know like again that shame thing in Japan right where it's like. Yeah, you don't, you know, if, if everyone finds out, like, oh, your daughter stabbed you and, you know, she's in prison, like, you know, that, uh-huh. I think that cult, like, that culture is very much, you know, a lot of, in, a lot of the issues, you know, the pain and issues in Japan seem to be, you know, about the fact they don't talk about anything. So. Yeah, I think he went about it the right way, for sure. Like, um, putting out ads in the newspaper in a way to kind of reach out and invite her back. Rather than making it more of like a manhunt where people have like photos out her uh, of her out there and like she feels like she's almost being hunted, you know, in order to come home, she's more so being invited back by her father. Yeah, exactly. Because and then it turns that turns into a whole different movie, right? At a certain point, that would just be like, yeah, man, this manhunt movie where she's constantly trying to dodge the cops. It also does kind of explain why she like goes along with Hana's like we can't, you know, let's not go to the cops yet. Because obviously, Gin was, is like, we should go to the cops with this baby. Like, that's like the early. Oh, no. Maybe I'm wrong. Because I remember later in the movie, Miyuki is like, we told you, you know, we should have just gone to the cops and given the child back. There is this element with Hana where she really wants to, you know, be a mother. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so sweet. She's like desperate to be a, a mom. Mm-hmm. And it, she's, she's so, she's so cute. And nurturing and loving and wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's understandable because, like, like is revealed throughout the movie, Hannah doesn't seem to have ever had a family of her own, whether it's just because of the way that she is being transgender and the way that maybe she maybe not was accepted by her family or maybe she genuinely just lost her family members. But, yeah. yeah. Well, there's that story where Hannah, like, talks about, like, she had, like, her, like, that lover, uh, Ken, who, like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he like dies from like tripping on a bar of soap in a bathroom or something like that. Uh, like yeah, yeah. Like he dies very like tragically and suddenly. That's correct. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I'm sorry. Who? Can you repeat that, Malcolm? Oh, so Hannah like th- has this story uh, in the middle of the movie where she's talking about like the only family she ever had, and the, the reason she's homeless is because she had a lover whose name was Ken. And he uh, died uh, because he accidentally slipped on a bar of soap in the bathroom. And he, like, oh, his right. head died. I want to say this. Uh, Hana, good job. Ken was, Ken was, you know, Ken, Ken was a catch. I'll say that. Ken was a hottie. Yeah. Damn. Like, you know, nice job. Yeah, but the, the only thing with this that story where it's like, 
everyone's stories about their like their backstory, like the three main leads, like they all like were kind of twisted in some way. Like obviously, like you know, Gin at the beginning is saying his whole family has died. You know, his daughter died young, and then his wife died shortly thereafter. And like you know, he got depressed because you know he had to throw the race and like and all that stuff. But then obviously, it was like a different twist. And then I was like. And obviously Miyuki like was very mysterious about it. It's like, I just had to go. Like it, she kind of, you know, made it sound like she was, you know, fleeing from a very abusive situation when in reality it maybe wasn't that. But I feel like also like because of Han is like the most, like honestly is probably the most honest and like forthright person like of that trio. There's like an element to me where I'm like, I think her story is the most sincere. Like I think mm-hmm. that's the one where it's like, because they never really go back to it. It's not like there's this reveal of like, oh, Ken's actually alive or something like that. And Ken was the taxi driver. It was like, no, no, no. Ken's that would just... have been hella funky. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Although <laughs> there is an element where I was like, oh, it's the cat. Like, like, is the taxi driver the next love interest for her? <laughs> like, I love that. Oh, that would be amazing. I don't think he was into it, though. <laughs> no, he seemed too scared. He was like scared of driving. <laughs> he just bullied into driving. I have, yeah, I have thoughts on, we'll talk about the taxi driver later. <laughs> we haven't even talked about just the way the film even cuts to the title sequence, because that's just a great one. So like Gin and Miyuki, they're getting into a fight. Uh, they're, they're looking for gifts in like a dump. And then all of a sudden they hear this baby girl. And then Hana says, this bundle of joy is a gift from God. Uh, she's our baby now. And then smash cut to Tokyo Godfathers. Oh. Again, I this, it's such a good script. Although um, I should say this, we're watching the second dub. There was this dub was done by G Kids. There was a earlier dub when the film first came out in two thousand three that was done by Animax, and uh, the G Kids dub also did actually hire a trans actress uh, to play. Fantastic. Anna. Yeah, uh, their uh, her name is Shakina Nafak. She's actually an actress who's been in like uh, live action shows as well. She's on. She was on the show Difficult People for two seasons. Um, and she's also, in 2020, she became the first trans person to have a starring role on a major network comedy show called Connecting. Um, so my one of my teachers in theater school, this was 2011, was Alexandra Billings, who was uh, on the show Transparent. And like also like the first trans person I ever met, too. So that was a whole, oh. that's a whole other thing to talk about. Um, and that was just, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go into Jack's story time for a bit. But even then, like, you know, if you look up Alexandra Billings, she looks great. Um, if you just uh, look her up on Google. But, you know, when we were being taught by her, she came in during the second semester. And, you know, I didn't even know she was trans for like three weeks to four weeks in. And, and then, of course, people started talking. But, like, you wouldn't even think she was trans because, you know, she, she, you know, she's got a bit of a husky voice. But that was also because she was in the smoke pit every single day. She's like a pack. Of, she was a pack a day smoker. It's like, oh well, her voice is a bit of a husky, but again, you know, that's and you know her skin, whatever. But again, like that's from smoking, probably. That's what you would theorize. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the you know the thing is it's that I think it's why you know you, when you talk to someone who's like say openly homophobic, it's like, do you know any gay people? And then the, usually the answer is no. And then it's like one, but like once people you know like you know know someone in that community or know you know or end up having a family member. Um, you know, you start realizing it's like, oh, everyone's just human. And it's like, this isn't this like, consp- there's no like agenda. There's no like, oh, the, the gay agenda, the trans agenda. It's like, that's not a thing. <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, how much um, a movie like Tokyo Godfather 
um, Godfathers changed things, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, like, even it, in the small ways. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty small release, so. But it, it is also, uh, as of this, uh, not as of this recording, as of this release, it'll be out on Netflix for a week. Because it, wow. it came out on December 14th. <laughs> Jack, since you're so good with your research and your history, I'm curious if you uh, came across this at all. Were any kind of social changes uh, initiated or made just after the release of this film in Japan? This, this film did not make enough money or, or much of anything to, to, uh, to take okay. any note of. Yeah, but was I there mean, any social impact, I mean, uh, in regards to trans rights or anything related I mean, to that in Japan? I mean, like I say, Japan has uh, not even legalized gay marriage as of this recording, so I would say the answer is no. Yeah. yeah. This movie, uh, and- when I was, because I watched, um, just for the recording, I did watch a couple of interviews with the, the dub cast, and it seemed like one of the big steps this movie did take um, was that this was one of the first pro- bigger projects, like, obviously, um, that consulted with GLAAD to oh, nice. uh, make sure that they, like, got things like authentically like done in terms of like trans representation and also to make sure they cast a trans actress in the voice role of Hana uh, to make sure that like that was all done right. So like, I guess in that way, like in terms of like getting it right, that's sort of what they were sort of the the first ones to do. Cause like obviously before, you know, it would have been very easy just to cast a random woman in the, in the role. in the initial dub, the t- the one that came out first when the film uh, came out in the states in like two thousand three, two thousand four, uh, it was a male actor playing. Uh, yeah, I guess that yeah, because there is like because there are certain like elements where like you know they do like obviously bring out like you know people around Hana not knowing what to do with her like because like the very end of the movie like Hana makes a like a point being like God damn it I'm in the male ward am I like because like they're all in the okay. same hospital room mm-hmm. yeah she does she does do that yeah. Well, no, wasn't Yuki like the least? Wasn't she the least injured too? That's also why she's in the ward. Like she was just kind of yeah. Like, she's like out. hasn't been injured because yeah. One of the things that does happen is like, which I thought was kind of funny is there's multiple times where cars just plow into buildings in this movie and they walk. <laughs> oh my god! Away. <laughs> you know, like there's the ambulance that crashes into the convenience store, and then later on in the big action sequence, like should uh, Sashuko like crashes into that like office building. <laughs> Um, I, I want to say the the funny the, the hilarious line where the ambulance build the ambulance uh, crashes into the convenience store. The driver then walks out and says, "Call an ambulance." Yeah, like, these jokes are yeah, just those, so, really great. those jokes are so good, guys. Mm-hmm. The the that crash that they had though with the baby in the car. I I think I said out loud to Alex. I was like, "Y'all are dead." And they walked out, and they were completely chill. Yeah, yeah. Lizzie was like, "You know, in real life, that would not have <laughs> that baby would have just been yeah turned into dust." Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm, but, I'm, but it, 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 it's all about coincidences it. and miracles, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that's like the whole like the big ending moment. Like the is you know when Hannah like jumps over the side of the building and then like falls down. It looks like she's gonna die holding the baby, but then like that gust of wind comes out and she's holding the banner, and the banner slow like she slowly like goes to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you love that, and like also like the fact that I think you know Kyoko is supposed to be like pure child, and they always refer to this you know child as like a miracle baby, like all oh, this miracle baby, and like everything after they get Kyoko um, or the baby known as Kyoko, like all these like good things happen because like even like. 
you know, Gin, he ends up you know, meeting that old uh, elderly homeless man. And mm-hmm. it turns out, like, he gives him, like, a winning lottery ticket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that was the one thing that I wasn't sure about was, like, I know, like, the lottery Does ticket. Does Gin be- know that he has the lottery ticket? That was driving me crazy too <laughs> yeah where i was like that's one of maybe one of those moments where i'm like if you gave it like five more minutes so like he could have the realization that like oh i have the winning lottery ticket because mm-hmm. it's like it's revealed like it like kind of falls out of his pocket and you're like mm-hmm. oh he's still holding on to it but he doesn't know it at that moment and mm-hmm. like you said like it would have been nice if his actual daughter was in the room too like maybe mm-hmm. she's the nurse attending to them now that they're like checked into the hospital and all that but and on that note, I do love how complex and how human the characters are written in a way if that happened. If he did win the lottery and we saw it, we really don't know which way Gin would go with the money. Yeah. We really don't. So that's really cool. Maybe that's why they kept it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is that because he is like a, you know, a habitual gambler and like an alcoholic. So it's like, would he be like, you know would he go back to falling in or because of this experience of this night with the baby and all this stuff do, you know, does he decide like, okay, I'm changed now. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and be, you know, am I going to try to be a dad, you know, and am I going to try to actually be like a godfather and all that stuff. But I guess that's like, those are open to interpretation. Right. So. Hannah's, I don't know if I'm making um, sense. No, you are. You are absolutely. Um, Hannah's, um, monologue to to gin at the end when he's with his his daughter and she just goes off on him is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie oh so good about him not being good enough of a dad and just calling him out on his on his crap i was like hell yeah oh hannah's like the like queen of telling it how it is yeah seriously she doesn't Mm. she doesn't fuck around just amazing we're jumping so much ahead. What are we talking about? Longest pause I've Talk, ever experienced. Talking about like you were talking about Gin and uh, you died for a second. And like in <laughs> his and her uh, his daughter that we meet out. Oh yeah, uh, that was that was a great again, great coincidence. But yeah, uh, and also the naming. Of course, we learned the naming of the baby Kyoko came from the fact that Gin's daughter, who is alive, um, was uh, named Kyoko and is the nurse. And is also engaged to the doctor who's treating Hana, um, the doctor who is a widower and lost his family, uh, his own family previously. So, yeah. Who actually has the backstory that Gin tried to sell to Hana and Miyuki. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, yeah, like that's uh, what's so interesting. Again, it's that coincidence factor, right? He, like, because it's also like Gin doesn't pick the name Kyoko. That's how oh, he doesn't? does that. Oh, shit. Oh, crazy. Because that means, mm-hmm. like, it's from Silent, um, the Japanese translation of Silent Night, which literally oh. means pure child. Oh, and because mm-hmm. it's, because, like, at the very beginning of the movie, right, they're at the nativity scene. They're yeah. like, Gin and Hana, I guess, I forget if Miyuki's in, uh, watching it. Uh, Miyuki's not. No, no, she's not. She's not, no. Miyuki, yeah. Um, I'm really saying her name wrong. <laughs> this whole... This whole episode, but yeah. So like that stuff is interesting. I mean, we haven't even also talked about this, the whole sequence about uh, how they go at the cemetery where they like stumble upon the cemetery and then like save the Yakuza boss. The the very nice Yakuza boss. 
Yeah, the Yakuza boss is just like you know, help you know, he's trapped under the car, and then you know they you know help him out, and they're they're just like, hey, you want to come? It's my daughter's getting married on Christmas Eve, which is fucking crazy. Like I, I don't know. Like, would you attend a wedding if you were uh, if you were told that it was happening on Christmas Eve? I mean, no, why not? Why Yolo. Not? It's you know? a wedding. It's a wedding. I guess. I guess. I, yeah, I just wonder. Yolo. Like, uh, is uh, yeah, if you. If you feel badly, because at least for me, like I'm from a family of divorce, so it's like it was always like one half of my family, like on my dad when I would go, like my dad would get Christmas Eve, and then my mom got Christmas Day, and so I would feel guilty. <laughs> I'd be like, I gotta, st- I gotta visit my dad's side of the family. No, too uh, bad you're going to a Christmas it, Eve wedding, Malcolm Yolo. Yeah, but I mean, it's the Yakuza boss, right? So it's like, I kind of gotta go. Like if he's inviting you, it's like you know, becomes Godfather esque. It's like. You you abandoned me on the you know the the evening of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> you're like, but it's Christmas Eve. But uh, it's Christmas Eve. Can you imagine? Yeah. He'd be like, you're homeless, and you're saying no. <laughs> no, me. I mean for the for the three homeless people, it like makes total sense. They're like, I get a for you know get some a meal. You'd be somewhere warm, but also you're going like this is a long night because <laughs> like that's they like go in and out of the hospital twice in the same. Yeah. yeah, the assassin's wife, who's the biggest sweetheart, and you know she doesn't speak Japanese. Uh, so I did her... like that. I like that choice because uh, I obviously I don't speak. I well, not obviously, but I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know what she was okay. saying. But I do like the fact that they didn't make it subtitles. So, like anyone who's watching who like speaks Spanish probably understands her side of the conversation, uh, and I'd be curious what that was. Um, but also. I think what was funny is like uh, just before when uh, the assassin is dragging her into this apartment, um, Yuki is like, I don't want to be a sex slave. Like she thinks it's like just a nightmare scenario she's walking into. And then like the reveal of the fact that it's like this really nice woman who's actually ends up breastfeeding uh, the baby as well, which is, you know, surprising, which is, well, not surprising. It's just like, it's, it's interesting because later on um, Sashiko uh, who's like the we think is the mother? Beautiful, actually. Uh, tries to breastfeed the baby, and the baby's like, "No, I'm not." There's no milk in those tents. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yep. I'm I sorry. Well, that's that part. How do you know that, Malcolm? How do you know that? We know it because we don't see any. <laughs> Uh, and that part is heartbreaking because you know she's so. You know, you know, okay, never mind. I'm taking, well, we, yeah, we, no. we, we, we see it work with the we see it work with the assassin's wife. We it doesn't mean it. she doesn't have any breast milk anyway. Let's well, it, does, it means she's not. It's able in the scene to of the playground where she's like, on, like all alone we, we and then just trying scene. to breastfeed. Um, um, that's which is part of that. Yeah, it's, it's part of the sadness of her because she'd lost the baby. you know, before, all that seems and like you know, can try desperately to like have all that you know, have motherhood, which is so depressing. Yeah. Like, I mean, Sashuk, uh, was it Sashiko? Yeah. Is the most, you know, heartbreaking character in this whole story. Yeah. Very sad, but just facts. If you lose your child during childbirth, you can still have breast milk. The baby's probably just. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Yeah. The baby's also like, we're talking like maybe an hour or two later. Right. So it's like, this baby's full. You know what guys, those titties, they got milk. And that shit is full fat, homogenized milk. And the baby just don't want it. Okay. (laughs) That's what it is. No, I mean, I don't, I, uh, obviously, uh, yeah. 
Um, Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. It's been great. That's all that we have. Yeah, we got to end it now. Uh, he's right <laughs> <in> biology. <laughs> I just, oh, man. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Off the topic of boobs and milk. So, no, yes. I just, sorry. I just like thinking about this one time my mom told me a story where my dad was like, was like, I want to try what breast milk's like. And my mom was oh. like, why? <laughs> and then he and she then he like I, I i don't know we should probably i shouldn't he like put it in his coffee and then he realized his oh. mistake <laughs> uh i have crazy dad stories on this podcast and i think this is part of the lit the um my parents were fucking nuts <laughs> That's, uh, i'm dying right now no uh, wonder you're a comedian man with the yeah. parents like that and uh, did he say how it tasted this yeah, he said it was. Uh, it, yeah, it, it was awful and, and like super oh, sour. No. He called. He said it was like. He's like, oh, it was sour coffee, which is not a <laughs> not a combo you expect when you drink a coffee. You're like, you're looking for a bitterness, not a sourness. <laughs> you're like, did these co- you know these cocoa beans go bad? It's like, no. He he stole his wife's breast milk and put it in to try it out. He stole like, it. It wasn't even a consensual con- thing. Conversation. It was like that pre. Happened? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't ask my mom to go into further detail after she shared it. <laughs> this is like at this point, like my parents like got divorced, and then I feel like they were just trading like outrageous stories about each other. Like they're like, "You want to hear what your mother did?" And I'm just like, "Why? <laughs> Why, Dad?" Or like, you know, my uh, mom would be like, "Yo, you you wouldn't believe what your dad did when we were married." I was like, "Come on, please." <laughs> I thought I thought Malcolm, you were saying that happened after they divorced. Like he snuck into the home oh, and stole the breast milk. That, that would have been funnier. I mean, my yeah, well, my, yeah. I have a yeah, I have a half sister who um, um, who's like sixteen years younger than I am, and it could have happened. My dad could have done it, but no. Nah, oh, oh my god! Welcome to the uh, Tokyo Father's Breast Milk Podcast. Yeah, we do not ta- really, endorse talking, breast milk yeah. in your coffee. We we're don't. Talking all we kinds don't. of milk. Yeah, we endorse breast milk. In oh, I'm pro <laughs> pro breast milk. I'm pro like however you know, uh, you know, pumping it or from the source. Oh, god, I feel so gross saying that. Um, Jack, to save me, I'm drowning. <laughs> what? Um, but what? I don't even know oh, what scene what, we're talking. What? Uh, what scene we're talking? Yeah, so we're talking about her. The the bonding they have. <laughs> so scene? at one, so no, at one point with the assassins. I'm so sorry, Jack. <laughs> he doesn't even know how to comprehend this. Just give us a moment, like, bro. Just yeah. give us a moment. We can't jump from pumping it from the store. <laughs> no. To the source material, we can't do that. Okay, okay, okay. I've calmed down now. I've calmed down. Okay, sorry. I'm trying. I'm, so I'm actually crying. Okay. Oh God, pumping it from the source. Anyway, um... Um, no. So, so the assassin, uh, the assassin's wife, and Miyuki, they also bond over the fact that they both have uh, fathers who are cops, and you know they're looking at uh, Miyuki's um, family photos and stuff. I don't know. I just thought it was really sweet. The assassin's wife is a nice lady. She's a she's a, a, a wonderful human being. That whole scene is done so well because everything about it is warm. Like when I think of the when I think of the scene and the like, I want to say set deck, but the way they um they drew the room and the lighting, it's like I remember it pretty vividly. It's um a very like yellow warm lighting, 
And everything about that scene is just cozy and, like, I feel like it's a beautiful depiction of family and love. Yeah, I almost feel like the room is a womb in itself. Like, there's all these, like, babies in it, you know, like, there's so much love and nurturing in it and the warmth of it. It just almost feels like a symbolic for a womb in itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's beautifully done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I think, like, it's the fact that there's, like, yeah she's just trying to like offer guidance and like they're helping like especially after such a violent moment with her husband and like you know the fact that the husband's like i don't know what to do with this baby so let me take care to like this this kid who you know i guess he assumes is the mother it's like i'll just take it to my you know my wife and like to get the you know get this have this kid be safe like it's it's not like this was a hostage situation he wanted to to undertake right like that's a they, like there's the argument that there's like outside of maybe the club guy, um, there's not really a bad person in this. Even though there is a guy who like uh, you know shoots some yakuza, <laughs> like tries to kill a yakuza boss. Well, such an interesting like choice for an assassin, right? Because you go like you know he he's gonna stand out in Japan, like it's you know outside of like maybe trying to pose as some sort of migrant worker. Um, so it is a surprising choice that like oh they're trying to you know he's trying to do this hit but again like if it's yakuza and you know he's of like latino descent you kind of go like oh maybe there's like a you know this unwritten backstory about like the yakuza and like the mexican cartel having some sort of like deal gone awry and i think it adds to this like mythology of like what this movie like how big this world of this movie is because it's a lot bigger than the 90 minutes that it shows on screen yeah, for which is interesting for at least in my mind because like I felt like Perfect Blue and Millennium Actress are very like are much more contained in their world building, like they're very, like they're very centered on their their main characters and like they don't try to go further than the main characters. But that that might, that's just a film theory thing on my end. Um, I was just gonna say, sorry, Jack, that um, I was thinking going back to like the characters being complicated and stuff. I was thinking to myself as we were talking, like. Gin is probably the most, um, I don't know, not most uh, layered character or most complicated. And then I started thinking about Miyuki and her past and um, and Hana. And I was like, no, Lizzie, what the hell are you saying? Like every, like every, um, all of them, they all feel exceptionally human. And complex, yeah. But maybe Jin feels like he has, sorry, Gin. feels like he has more layers just because of the lies that we've been told about his story from the beginning right so we feel like we're peeling him back more is that kind of what you mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and i guess maybe because he has more uh quote unquote laws but um that that make him seem super human Mm -hmm. super comma human no that's okay (laughs) sorry (laughs) grammar's a thing the thing that stuck out for me was I'm currently on a diet right now. So when I saw an advertisement in the film for a Big Mac, I'm like, shit, I really want a Big Mac right now. <laughs> Dude, you know what I'm craving? Domino's pizza. Thank you for listening. That's my. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm, trying, anyway. I'm not. I'm not allowed to. When when I see Malcolm in two weeks, when we go see Spider Man, which I guess will already be out by the time this podcast comes out, that's my cheat day. So. Um, nice. podcast listeners, it'll be three days after I, I, I ate a lot of food. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> Big Mac I, day I, for Jack. When I was living yeah. in Toronto, I lived right across the street from a Domino's and like, that was hard sometimes where you're just like, oh man, it's so easy just to go across the street, like put an order in and just like do pickup. 
Like it was just killer, like, bro. It was kill- killer. Oh man, it that's. I probably gained like you know five or ten pounds just from like just living across the street. It was that. It was that. I lived in this area where um, there was a Domino's right across the street, and then like just down the street was like a uh, McDonald's, like a twenty four seven McDonald's. So it's just like when you're like you're like, oh man, I'm a little hungry. It was just like, oh, I guess I'll just go to the McDonald's. The tricky thing about McDonald's is I don't know if you guys notice this, but whenever you eat McDonald's, you're never full. It's weird. It's yeah. like you can eat so much of their food and mm. there's something about it. You never feel satisfied. Oh, That's yeah. scary. You, you, yeah, you go and you have a Big Mac and then you're like, I could probably go for a second one. <laughs> like oh. I, could, I, could, I totally understand why people get like, because they sometimes sell those like double Big Macs. I'm like, I get it. Like, I get it, guys. If you're, if you're in the mood for a Big Mac, like I get that you're like, let's might as well double it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then again, it's still not going to work. It's so weird. Um, I wonder how the, the gentleman who eats a Big Mac a day is doing. It's every single day for 30 years, I believe. And he's... He, he's going to outlive everyone. Like, that's... Yep. Those, those are those, those those kind of people who just, like, they're like, yeah, and then he he smoked a pack of cigarettes a day and he lived till he was 107. And then yep. you're going to get the people who are like, he was keto and he died at, like, 68. And you're like, why? Very accurate. And you're just why? like, oh, you know, he had a heart attack. <laughs> you're like, oh... Um, I feel like it's, it's just because you got to be a, a YOLO person. You got to loosen up. You got to go to that Christmas Eve wedding. Like you just got to do it. Gotta exactly. Go you got you know mm-hmm. when you when you get invited to a Christmas Eve wedding, you say yes. <laughs> like that's um, all that it is. Yeah. Sorry, mafia boss. Yes, I'm coming. <laughs> and you don't you don't make any assumptions when three homeless people show up with a baby. <laughs> let's so let's briefly like talk about Miyuki's backstory because so she stabbed her father because uh, her cat went missing and they couldn't find it basically and I guess she blamed her father. So I know Malcolm's. Uh, I think it was Malcolm. But this has already been like a while since you said it, and I'm hungry. But that you didn't think it was uh, realistic or something. But no, I've I've had I've had cats multiple cats unfortunately go missing and no i've I've had my share i've never stabbed a family member but i've definitely had my fucking freakouts where i've said some nasty shit uh because i love my it's not that it's unrealistic what i said was that that sequence when they transform into like the parents were transform into uh hana and gin are um that's like the one of the most surreal moments in the whole oh gotcha um I also, again, going back to Miyuki being obviously a cat lover, there's, there's the moment where um, they're, they're in another, they're trying to sleep and there's just a ton of stray cats and they're just all uh, on top of Miyuki and she's become like a cat whisperer. And then, I, I love that visual. Like I want to, I want to frame that visual um, where the cats are. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I felt like you must have been really like uh, jazzed about the, uh, all the cats this, in this movie because you're uh, a big cat guy. Yeah, they they did a good job on the cat animation. I always like to point out when a show or a movie has a good cat work, and there's some good cat work in this. Cat work, ten out of ten. Cat work. Nice. Yeah, nice. and then uh, <laughs> and then uh, again, he he suggests that he's like, I wonder if we can like cook them or something. And then uh, Miyuki is you know not not happy with that, and the cat hisses at him. Yeah, and the cat yeah. hisses at him. Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. is oh, yeah. um, we we um watched this a, a couple weeks ago um and i just i want to be reminded that miyuki stabs her father because her um her father threatens to take away the cat i'm sorry or um can you no, remind the, me the cat- i think it's because the cat goes missing and the dad's not really doing anything and yeah. he feels like she's always being ignored by her father and never noticed 
There we go. Yeah. Okay. And then later That's exactly on, it. yeah. And then Miyuki does find a note um, in, in the classifieds in the newspaper where her father says uh, the cat's returned. The cat who is named Angel. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Yeah. So her freak yeah. out and, and the stabbing like had, you know, was unfortunately like not justified. Not like that. You know, most stabbings are not justified, yeah, but, but. but this one in particular was like, you know, this an emotional outburst by a teenager. Yeah. 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 Also, you know, what's interesting I noticed in that flashback is that Miyuki is like a little more heavy set than when she is when we see her. I like, know, eh? Like, Christmas. Mm-hmm. like she's clearly like been on the streets for, a, a, you know, probably a couple of months at that point. Like you have to assume mm-hmm. like probably like it's going to be enough time that the dad um, recovered from the stabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wonder why they uh, chose to draw her that way. I guess maybe it would have been to show um, the weight loss from being homeless. Mm-hmm. That's what, what I do you assume. guys think? Yeah, I assume it's that. Yeah, I assume it's because she's been homeless for like uh, some time. Like it's not like she just got on the streets, you know, the other week because she's and like she... obviously she's obviously got some street smarts. Like she's clearly like built up some street smarts because like her in the flashback she seems like a very like isolated and like sheltered person because she's you know she complains about how her mom's always you know talking about you know jesus and like throwing up hail marys uh and then her dad's obviously like you know ignoring her and probably consumed by his police work uh because after she stabs the dad she has that scarf and then she throws it's like now you'll fucking wear the scarf like that's I don't think she swears, but it's just like at that tone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think that heavy sitness is a way yeah. to also show the contrast of her shelteredness versus now. She was so well fed, and now she's just so determined not to come home that even though she's hungrier than she's used to being in life, she's still not coming home. Yeah, and cold. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and I said, like that's probably the one of the yeah. surreal mo- things of this movie is the fact that they're like never co- coming close to suffering from like hypothermia although that old that old man i, I think does although i yeah. love that uh the sequence yeah. with the old man when uh it's just Gin and him um, yes and it's like and he keeps like he's about to die he's like oh, i have one request one more drink uh you know here's my bay my red bag and then he like takes a sip of the drink and then he like he's like about to close uh Gin's closing the elderly man's eyes and then he like shoots up again he's like i'll have a, w- another drink and then he's like ah <laughs> I, I, really I actually laughed out loud at that part where he closes the guy's eyes and they just because i was like totally expecting him to be passed and they, they just shoot open again mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great yeah you know not everyone can you know pick their exact uh last words sometimes you still have a little bit left in you apparently you <laughs> got another um, drink so I guess before we move on to like the the climax of the movie, I want to talk about the moment where um where what you call it Hannah has the big blow up against uh, Gin and calls him out for all his lies in front of his daughter, and then you know Miyuki is like what the fuck, and basically Hana Hana tells her the story of the the red devil and the blue devil. So, that was another good great sequence. I really yeah. like that like kind of flashback. Yeah, not flashback, but I guess it's like that like. It's- a, th- a story come to life. Yeah, again, it's heartbreaking. So basically, Hana is Hana chose is basically saying she's cho- choosing to be the sacrifice uh, for Gin's happiness. You know, she has to blow up at him to make him look at, like the good guy. But then, of course, she can't stay because that would ruin the narrative they've concocted. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah sad yeah. stuff. Oh my God. But then thankfully, um, someone's about to jump off the bridge and that derails Hana's attempt to leave. Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> thank, thank, thank goodness. Some, thank God someone attempted suicide. Um, and it's uh, <laughs> attempted, not successful. That's good. Um, and it's We're cheering at the attempted. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not, yeah, that part. Attempted. Um, but no, that so it turns out it's uh, the woman who we think who we think is the mother to the baby, and um, Hana and Miyuki rescue her. Um, she tells them one story, saying, you know, it was the husband who tried to get rid of the kid. She didn't know anything, and then Gin ends up encountering the husband. Also, for one thing, the the husband and wife are are both you know portrayed as you know very nice, happy couple in the photos. And then when we see them in the present day, they they're not they're not good looking right now. They they they've seen better days. Well, the husband is like a gam. It's kind of like Gin in that he's yeah, like a he's, gambling he's addict who's he, like going down the wrong path and like yeah. you know. And then obviously, uh, Sashiko. It's implied that she may have been a prostitute at one point. Oh, uh, I I missed that for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like that club owner, like who Gin owes the money to. Yeah, kind of like he makes that thing of like draws on the image of uh, of the of the I guess the mother, and it's like oh this is like how you know you know you make her beautiful, but she's like oh she wanted like have a kid and a family, and so it's like she's done, which is kind of again a very dark moment in this. I think I think, um, but yeah, she's obviously been uh, very depressed and like delirious because she lost the baby. Yeah, that's that. Uh... That's like a full on, full on mental break that she was uh, having. Yeah. And she obviously didn't like her husband was not supportive on any level. He was no. kind of trapped in his own world. Thank goodness. You know, I was going to say this earlier, but this movie is about coincidences, you know, um, and written so well, because otherwise it could easily with the amount of co- like sheer uh, coincidences, it could end up being cheap you know um the movies that and there are a lot of movies that take that that it a little too far thankfully or there's too many callbacks in the writing and too many tie-ins and yeah and it's like oh come on but this one you know what it just it works thankfully because there's so many like like we're talking about again meeting the um the boyfriend or whatever while the others are out who just happen to pass the mom it's all of it but it it that's it seems to be like that's the theme of the movie, um, so so I think it works mm-hmm. totally. Like I mean, I think because the theme is you know coincidence and you know family, like yeah, none of these coincidences feel like too like out out of left field. Even though like if there was just like one of them, it would obviously be like oh that's like what a you know what a cop out. Right or like what a day exactly exactly and instead it's just like no because like this is not about that it's all about like kind of getting to the happiest ending possible. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciated it. Yeah, like you just because you you know you can't end this movie with like you know uh, Shakio jumping off the side of the building with the baby and then like the baby dying yeah. like that's like that would oh, be such a terrible ending. Oh God! Like that God. can't be it. So like. You know, again, everything also leading up to the fact that they find this baby and then somehow, like, you know, just by going to this random cemetery, they meet this Yakuza boss and they get invited to this Christmas Eve wedding in which they, like, get start getting information about, like, 
the mother of this baby and like why it was abandoned and like you know put piecing it together it's again so unlikely but the fact that it's like that forward momentum of just like no like it you know it almost makes too much sense to be like oh and then they just meet this other person like especially because like tokyo is such a massive city mm-hmm, you think mm-hmm. that like the odds of everything happening are just you know minuscule like it, but it adds to that like almost that christmas like miracle factor i was just gonna has. say that mm-hmm. the miracle child just as they set up in the nativity scene in the beginning yeah. or just mm-hmm. You know, and like, and then again, even the fact it's like, you know, Gen goes to the hospital, uh, after, you know, after Hana like, you know, passes out, um, after the ambulance like crashes into the convenience store that they were just standing in, but got kicked out because they were getting into that fight with that like drunk salary man. Uh, drunk salary? No, salary. So in Japan, like people in like, uh, who work in like, uh, white collar jobs are called, uh, salary men. I, oh. oh, I'm such a dick. Yeah, I know. I, I, really I did say it very similarly to salary man. As, as in the you're like, really looking at each other like, was there a man with salary? <laughs> oh, I wish. That would have made sense. Like, I like that's like, that feels like a drink. <laughs> Why logo. not? That's, that feels like a Japanese drink logo. It's like salary man. Only at <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, no. So. You know, you get that and like the fact that, you know, they go to the clinic and it's like, oh, you know, Gin's uh, daughter is there, you know, it's it, like it just and then he gets to reconnect with, you know, his daughter who's getting married and honestly seems to have forgiven him, too. Right. It's just very much like how, you know, um, Yuki's father has forgiven her. The daughter that Gin abandoned seems to forgive Gin for abandoning like her and her mother, which I was kind of surprised by. She just wanted to see her dad again. I was surprised by the lack of, of anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like, it's funny. Like this movie has like that lack of cynicism that like has gotten really popular. Thanks to like Ted Lasso. Like, like this feels like, Oh kind of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar that way where like Ted Lasso, obviously for those who haven't seen it is like an incredibly positive show where like every character, almost every character is like always making the best choice. And it's all really about forgiveness and like self growth and like, you know, not holding on to grudges and everything. Um, this feels very similar <laughs> in that sense. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's just such a lack of cynicism here. Even what though these characters nice. have, even though these characters have the most, like the, such a right to be cynical. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you would, I mean, Gin is a, a little bit of our cynic. Which kind of works, so you need a little bit of it. Yeah, he's um, the he's the most cynical. But even then, like you know, the fact that he's willing to like grow and change in a positive way, and like the fact that he's still like, I gotta go, you know, say, you know, like when he's like on the bike in the big chase sequence when they're trying to track down the mother when they realize Sashiko isn't the real mother and that they just handed the baby to someone who kidnapped that baby. Um, and like, he's like the one who's like stealing the bike and like really like putting his life on the line. Um, you know, it kind of, again, shows that he's like, you know, from the very beginning when he's just like, let's just take this baby to the cops. And like, you know, I want to find some sake and like, you know, basically pass out in an alley (laughs) to like, no, I got to save this baby. It's sort of like, you know, it's a great arc. So, so Meemaw Gin, of course, this is, like 20 minutes ago when I was talking about it, Gin runs into um, the husband who, of course, Gin recognizes a young version of himself. 
uh, not not a good young version of himself, a bad young version of himself, and he flips out at him. And then they learn that, um, yeah, the baby isn't even theirs. So then Gin has to bike. It's all connecting, guys, because he was a bicycle shop owner. So mm-hmm. he, he bikes his way. Don't um, you mean champion cyclist? Champion, exactly. Champion cyclist. And he, yeah, he, he bikes his way to meet up with Hana and Miyuki. And then Gin is so exhausted that he has to um, do basically charades to tell them what's happened, which is another great bit of, you know, visual comedy. We haven't really talked about the animation a ton, but again, this movie, you know, it doesn't have the mind-bending visuals of Millennium Actress or or those crazy shots of Perfect Blue, but it still is a very gorgeous film. And the characters are just so um, emotive. Yeah. And there's some of it that's so well done. Like, I feel when we were taken through the alleyway with the assassin and with Miyuki, that was really well animated. There's just some some incredible shots. Again, this movie's from 2003, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so- for sure. I mean, one of my favorite scenes is, uh, in terms of animated, is when they're, uh, they go to that house. And it, it's, it kind of seems like it's implied that it might be Gin's old house that he's, like, abandoned. And they like walk through it and like it's just a door. And then Gin like walks back and like, you know, opens the door, stands there, shuts the door, and then the door like falls, falls back. And they're just like watching the door fall back. I really love that moment. I also love like in terms of animation as well, like the snow was really well done. Like it just it did you felt the cold, like I think uh I forget if it was Lizzie or Alex who said like you felt like the coldness of like the winter and the snow. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, like, and then, oh, and then the, I mean, the final sequence of like Hana like holding the baby and then slowly coming down on the banner, and like because of that like miracle gust of wind is again another great shot. Like this movie doesn't need these mind bending like effects. Like this is like a very in a lot of ways this is a very traditional, straightforward you know narrative. Um, and the narrative in itself is exciting and forward propelling enough not to need distractions like that. You know, but like when it does, the purpose of the film isn't to like make you think or go deep and try to understand what's going on. Yeah. This is like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is an elevated Christmas movie. Like this Mm -hmm. is an elevated Christmas movie. Like Die Hard. Yes. Uh, You know, you know, you you might be shocked, but I'm one of those people who does not call Die Hard a Christmas movie. I think if we call Die Hard, I need a new co-host. I need a new Uh, (laughs) co-host. If we call Die Hard, this is what I tell people. I'm like, you know, none of you guys are saying Iron Man three is a Christmas movie. So I'm just saying, you know, gotta be be equal. You can make it, you know, you can make an argument that, you know, Iron Man three is a Christmas movie. You can make an argument that every Shane Black movie is a Christmas movie. Uh, for the film nerds out there um uh, shane black's the writer director of iron man 3 he also wrote like lethal weapon and you know bang bang and all these other movies it seems Um, seems predator the predator movie that he did uh was not a hit so he's kind of in movie jail now so going back to the climax uh yet another coincidence when they're chasing after um the the wife or ex-wife or whatever um, the ex-wife hijacks a car and then Han then grabs a taxi, which is the same person who was driving here earlier. We love that the- taxi man. We root for that taxi man. I think Hannah loves that taxi man. I think so. Sure. Understandable. Yeah, Understandable. I was going to say, yeah, there's I mean, like, yeah. you know, there's an element where you're like, you know, Gin and Hannah kind of come off as like, 
you know, sort of, you know, partners, although they're not like, there's not, at no point you feel like they're romantically linked. They're just more like, you know, same situation, friends, could be maybe more, but yeah, but you definitely like, you feel like, I just love Hannah just like come always hitting on the taxi driver every time she get she's in that taxi. Because that taxi driver like shows up like four different times. Again, that coincidence, right? They're chasing after, you know, the mother, they need a vehicle, guess who's there? The taxi man. Like, you know, when Hannah's looking to try to get where, you know, find, um, you know, Miyuki and the baby after the hitman, you know, kidnaps them. It's like, who does she get? She gets the same taxi driver as the taxi driver that drove Miyuki and the hitman to the hitman's like apartment. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know. I love that. Again, that's like another one of those coincidences, uh, coincidences where like, where in, like when you're watching it, you're going like, oh, that makes sense. But also you're going like, if this was in any other movie, you'd be like, really? Again? But mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. part of the whole mythology of this movie. And it's part of what makes it entertaining, for sure. <laughs> so it leads to the confrontation um, with the ex-wife on top of uh, this building. And the ex-wife reveals that her she did have a baby, but it was still born. And so that kind of broke her. And on top of that, you know, she was already having problems with her husband and she thought having a baby would fix that. So, you know, she, she, her mind just broke. And so that's when she stole the baby from the nursery. And then, you know, the hus, the ex-husband, he comes out, um, you know, he declares his love for her, but she still jumps. And then die. I want to, that's another point. It's like, they like, she lands on that ledge, I think. Yeah. She let Miyuki catches her and then Gin catches Miyuki and then Hana catches the baby and Hana's like on this banner that's falling and then a gust of wind, the ultimate coincidence, a gust of wind uh, lets Hana safely land. Yeah, as we talked about. But, you know. I wouldn't say a coincidence. I would say it's an act of God. Act of God. A Christmas miracle. That's really good harmony, Malcolm. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Um, and, yeah. and that leads us to the end of the movie, which uh, we already discussed. So, of yeah. course, we did. We already discussed that like like an hour ago. Um, yep. we, did, yeah. we didn't really jumped around this one, but I feel like yeah. it was necessary. Like, there's so many different like plot well, lines. Like, there's so much, uh, so many things that are interesting here. Like, I didn't. It, it's a straightforward narrative, but there's so many coincidences, and you want to talk about how each moment leads to each i mean again it's such a good screenplay everything connects to everything there's payoff to you know they used every bit of the animal in this movie every bit of the animal mm-hmm. you yeah. know what they did there was a lot that happened in this film mm-hmm. like even like the fact that like you know when uh uh is like at her lowest and just like i don't know where to go and like she goes to uh like the like the house mother and then you would find that uh, Gin, who had been, like, separated from the group and, like, was beat up by these random, like, teens, like, these teen hooligans, and, like, is found by, like, the women of this house. Uh, and then, like, they are reunited that way. It's sort of, like, again, another coincidence that, like, really pays off in a way that I liked. Where, again, he, like, there is that surreal element of, like, you know, he's, Gin's, like, you know, basically crushed by a, you know, a truck at one point in a tunnel. He's beat up by hooligans. He's like, basically well, like, that scene was to... rough to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. That one, th- when I was saying there's no villains, there are villains. And then those, it's those fucking kids. <laughs> those kids. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, because like, you're I was like, to Lizzie, I'm like, can you imagine? Like, it's just showing the uh, the incredible capacity of like human evil that is hidden in our world. It's like these guys, they have a phone call from girls, I think, in the middle of like them beating up again. And they're just like, oh, yeah, like we're just hanging out over here. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll head over and meet you girls or whatever. Like you really you don't know what goes on behind the scenes of like the people that surround you. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also the yeah. fact that they're like, let's take out the trash. And like they, they're already beating up a guy who's dead, which is like, you know, the other fucked. crazy part. That's beyond fucked. Um where again, I that was like probably the one other element where I kinda wish there was maybe a little bit resolution where like maybe those kids like got arrested because they were like accused of like, Oh, you killed this kid you, you killed this homeless man. <laughs> um Yeah. As sort of like a justice factor, but I mean, it wasn't that important. It was just another obstacle for, you know, Gin to get over. And it's what gets him to, um, well, because they also like, I, th- I think, steal the red pouch, which makes it like interesting how he gets it back, if I'm not mistaken. I know I could talk about this. I love this movie. This movie was like, I'm probably going to rewatch it soon. I, uh, I might show it to my, um, my sister um nice. I feel like you know i think she's starting to like you know she's i started asking me quite she's like she's like in grade eight and she's been asking me about uh um you know the podcast and, and she's starting to get into like anime so i'm like well i'm now, now i'm starting to have some recommendations um, <laughs> yay let me talk about a meme that i sh- shared with my friends uh earlier today uh, everybody jumping on the anime wave now. Remember when you, we used to be weird for liking anime? And then a person responds and said, you weren't weird for liking anime. You were weird for trying to do their special moves during recess. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god. The Naruto run will forever haunt oh. me. Did you try yeah. and do it, Alex? A few times, I have to admit. That's not good. Uh- I never did the Naruto one, but you know, my friends and I, we would play Pokemon, but like it would be like in you know imaginary Pokemon. It wasn't just the games. And then, um, oh, I, I remember you my... were gonna say that you were the Pokemon. We were like, you have to, like <laughs> you and your friends are like, I'm Pikachu, and you're like Pika Pika. And then it's like you know, Whoa. someone's like, who? What's the fish? Oh, car- Magic Carp. And you're like someone just flopping on the ground. Oh, um, I, defi- I definitely did that. Too. The visual I definitely... of an elementary school kid just flopping on the ground. <laughs> incredible yeah the teacher um, is just like is this kid having a stroke and it's like no he's playing pokemon he's magikarp he's magikarp and it's like these fucking kids <laughs> no i was a hot again i was like a sports guy so like i'd be playing like uh like street hockey and trying to do like you know paul korea moves and whatnot but uh i know i missed i missed that but although i did like I did have Beyblades. Beyblades were big in my elementary school back then. Oh, man. Beyblades were big in my elementary school, too. My Beyblade crushed everyone. What's Beyblade? Oh, Oh, my God, Lizzie. This was a 2000s kid speaking. Oh, yeah. This is is definitely 2000s kids. No, my... No, my my friend Maria, her kid is into Beyblades as well. So Beyblade's still around. There's still... I don't don't know how... There's still Beyblade cartoons, because I know um, some actors who are employed by the Beyblade animes... So, I guess they're just not okay. as big as they were back in our day. Yeah. But yeah, Beyblades are like, I would describe them as like, they're sort of like tops, or not tops. Um, like spinning tops, yeah. Yeah, they're they spinning tops. Yeah, tops. you're right. They're spinning oh, tops, but they're all like they coolly, like uh, designed in interesting ways. And you could like, there was like kids in my school who would like have like metal add-ons. Uh, oh, yeah. That, you, yeah, that, that would really me. like screw shit up. Like you, you could oh, tell yeah. like who like convinced Damn, their girl. parents to like go out to like the Beyblade store and like, 
I grew up in Tawasin, so you'd have to go out to like Richmond to some, you know, some store that sold like Beyblade parts. Uh, you could tell like, okay, who is getting the money to spend on that stuff? And whose oh, parents no, were no, like, no, no. <laughs> you can go to the toy store in town and, and whatever they have. Well, Malcolm, trust me, sometimes it's the exact opposite. I had to go to the dollar store to get my Beyblade. And that's where I got my Crushin Drigger Spirit Beyblade, which had a giant metal ring around it and crushed everybody's in school. Oh, so yeah. You can yeah, go either no. way. I, I always felt like the one, they, there was a bit of a scam, like the kids with the, like the, the decked out Beyblades. I always felt like they kind of lost. Like, I feel like there was a scam element there. Oh, no. I won every time, baby. How do you measure yeah. the spirit of a plastic <laughs> yeah. metal? Spirit's strong <laughs> on this one. <laughs> I know. Well, this one. I, I guess <laughs> we'll have... I guess we'll have Alex on the Beyblade podcast if we ever get around to that. Beyblade, Pokemon? Yeah, I'm not invited. Gundam, and you know what? That's okay. Gundam, Gundam. <laughs> I know you mentioned Gundam Wing, so that is that is on the, the, the docket at some point. Because Gundam Wing is going to be a fun show to, to rewatch as an adult. Um, I, I watched the entire thing just like last year. It's a, it's a good show, but also very much of its time. Um, but let's go to our favorite segment, uh, The Speedwagon. Uh, cue the music, Sasha. Speedwagon, 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 Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. So for those just joining in, uh, if you're just joining in, um, on the third Satoshi Kone one, but I don't know, I guess it's Christmas too, maybe you want to watch it. Um, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character, so it can't be one of the trio, unfortunately, because they're all they're all leads. There's no uh they're all equally weighted. So our favorite supporting character in this movie. Um I'll go first. Mine is um the assassin's wife. She's just a, she's just a nice lady. I thought she was a really good person. Good lass. Good lass. Yeah. 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 I think she'll be a really good mom if she if she doesn't already uh, have a child. She does have a child. Oh, she that's does have like, a child. Well, yeah. That's because she like breastfeeds uh, the oh, baby. Oh, of course. Yeah. She's breastfeeding those kiddies, both babies those at one point. Those kitties have milk. Those kitties <laughs> yeah, have those, milk yeah, as, uh, as the kids say, those are mommy milkers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Baby. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, who's next for the speed wagon? I'm going next. Um, and I'm deciding Kyoko, our baby. I chose a baby for the speed wagon, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And what is your reasoning behind the speed wagon, Lizzie boys? She care- She's the movie. And thank you very much. That is my TED joke. <laughs> she is the movie. She is yeah, without the movie. her, we don't have a movie. <laughs> we don't have. That's a. That's a fair. That's a fair. Uh, yeah. She doesn't have a poignant scene where she like starts speaking, and you're like, oh my god, she's a, you know she's my spirit animal <laughs> or whatever. You should. Uh, I do appreciate that. My spirit baby. Level yeah, five, spirit, baby. Level, level five, five spirit. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Kyoko has level eighty thousand. What? Why? <laughs> what? If Kyoko was in a Beyblade, she'd win every fucking Bay battle, baby. <laughs> that was a lot of babies in that sentence. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> so that is my speed wagon. Thank you. Just for a reminder of how old we all are compared compared to Lizzie, Kyoko is probably not not much younger than you at this point. Uh, oh! This is 2003. What? So this is a baby born in 2003. So oh, cripes! You're right. Yeah, wow. Wait, um... wait, wait, wait to like uh, 
Way to bring the mood down. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> Not for you. <laughs> no. It's, um, See, Kyoko, let's actually think about this. I'm 21, so um, Kyoko's 18. Damn. Yeah. You can legally vote now. You go, queen. Oh, mine is definitely the cab driver. Knew it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Come on. Like, without the cab driver, you wouldn't... You, like... The story wouldn't progress. The guy was so, like, down to earth and, like, salt to the earth and legit. Like, he would never get payment from these homeless people because they had no money and he knew it. And if they asked him in a crisis, well, I would say more, like, demanded of him to drive them somewhere, he'd get them there and he wouldn't complain. Yeah. It was fine. Like, he would just do it. Like, through through all of the, I, I don't know, all the innuendo and all the flirtation that Hana was throwing at him, through, like, the freaking car chases and near crashes and panic. Like, the guy, like, d- didn't really bat an eye. Yes. He was fine. <laughs> I mean, he was sweating, but he wasn't getting mad at them. Yeah. Real G. Yeah. Yeah. He Real kept G. the ball rolling. All right, Malcolm, it is up to you now. I So, so yeah, I'm torn because... Uh, I also I kind of like that uh, random cat lady that was in the movie, like where you know she's like the one with all the cats, um, and she's literally credited as cat lady. Uh, but I also have to go with the taxi driver. I thought like every time he was there, like there's like this flustered element to him, and like I loved like during like the car chase sequence where like he's being told to go faster by Hana, and Hana's like be a real man, go faster, and he's like I can, he's like just do it, like and then he like would speed up, like I just. I love those interactions and the fact that there seems to be like a bit of a flirty element between him and, uh, you know, and Hana as well was great to see. Uh, like when she's like, oh, I just want like a, you know, uh, you know, a, a sl- you know, what is it? I think like uh, a, a slender, like man with a downtown accent <laughs> and like, he's just like with like, you know, a yeah, the chiseled cut. jawline and like, the, yeah, the he's just a, or whatever yeah. she was saying. <laughs> She's just describing him <laughs> and he's just sitting there like, okay. Uh, I really loved it. Like I loved his like kind of awkwardness, but the fact that he was still like willing to be a part of this journey, even if he's not like a main character, um, I, you know, he's a winner in my book. Yeah. Big winner. Big winner. I'm shipping him and Hana. Final thoughts on Tokyo Godfathers. Uh, I'll go first as always. Um, there's not, what else is there to say? This movie's fucking delightful. It makes you happy. It's an interesting film. Again, Satoshi Kony only made uh, four films. And uh, we, I think, goes without saying, after we cover Paprika, we'll, we'll find a way to cover um, Paranoia Agent, his, his TV show, which ran for 12 episodes. So there's that to look forward to. There's also, uh, again, speaking of Speedwagon, uh, Satoshi Kon did direct uh, two episodes of the... Uh, 90s version of jojo's bizarre adventure so i think we'll have no freaking way eh? oh yeah i forgot lizzie you're into jojo i just watched the yes. i just binged the first 12 episodes that dropped of stone ocean uh because tell I me nothing i won't even won't tell you well it's jojo how can i fucking mm. spoil jojo it makes no sense that's the that's the, so the, true is it really good jack is it really good it's, it's fucking fantastic it was an easy nice play. it's an easy binge you gotta text me your thoughts uh because, you know... Well, it, we're going to end up doing this. <laughs> we'll cover that well, sometime. I know. I'll talk about that with Lizzie another time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. run into her randomly, as always. As usual, um, yes. But, yeah. So, we, I think we'll definitely have to cover the Satoshi Kon uh, JoJo's, which, are, which, again, it's an adaptation, but you can still see some of his early uh, Satoshi Kon-ness within those. Um, so, yeah. Again, Satoshi Kon makes great movies. This, is a, this film is an interesting... 
it's straightforward, but it's not because like Satoshi Kon said, the, the, the unreality is the coincidences. That's what gives this movie kind of a dream logic almost, but it's, it's perfect. It's great. It's gorgeous. It's, it's probably the most rewatchable. Obviously the fact that it's a Christmas movie uh, definitely helps. And you know, Millennium Actress, another great film, but you know, very much a, a movie with a, a lot going on and perfect blue, of course, uh, not the movie that makes you happy when you, yeah, you don't watch Perfect Blue because you need a pickup. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's not, <laughs> not movie, you know, you no. watch that movie. Well, the pickup is you can uh, you can get angry at Darren Aronofsky for being shit. But, yeah, well, um, and we'll, uh, we can get mad at Christopher Nolan when we cover Paprika. We'll do yeah when we do that in a, a couple of months. But yeah, no, this is uh, yeah this like I said uh, like I think you said Jack. I really love this movie. I think this is gonna be like. Maybe on like the, the Christmas like list of movies to like go back to, um, just because you know this. I found this was you know like you said also, Jack. Very delightful. Loved the characters. Uh, loved like the story of it. I was looking forward to this movie. Like after watching the other two uh, Satoshi Kon movies, I'm really sad that we've only got one left because uh, this was fantastic. Every character here is like you know the main characters are like so warm. You know just. They're like all really like good people at the end of the day, like the main characters at least. And yeah, like it's it's not necessarily straightforward, but like it just is good. <laughs> like I'll oh yeah, it, like this was yeah, this is two thumbs up. Would recommend, will recommend. Watch it on Netflix. <laughs> That's right. Yes, watch it on Netflix, everybody. I forgot about that. I shall uh, I shall go forth now in my closing statement. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it's a, I, I guess I feel like I'm just going to be saying this along the same lines as, as you guys, that it's, it's a beautiful, uh, film. I think they, I love that it's only 90 minutes. Um, it's, it's kind of sad too, to be honest. I know that like you guys were saying that it's, um, it's heartwarming and it is. At the end of it all, it is um, super heartwarming, but it um, there's some moments that are a little heartbreaking too. But hey, that's human. That's the that's that's life. Um, I I was I tearing up at the end. Like I was like like in like not tears of like super sadness, but almost like those those tears of joy. Yeah, no, of course. Um, but any any good movie, I'll I'll do that to you. Um, and um yeah i'd i'd recommend it as well um i'd probably watch it again too to be honest give give me the the feels so yeah those are my thoughts yeah and to tag on to what lizzie was saying i would definitely throw it into rotation for christmas movies that uh you watch with your family even with uh maybe younger loved ones because again it's a little bit more of a pick me up the themes in it aren't too crazy and too mature and uh, yeah, just broaden your mind to uh, seeing uh, pieces of society that are normally not shown in Christmas movies, like the fact that the three main characters are homeless, the fact that one of the main characters is uh, trans, you know, like it's a really different kind of Christmas movie, but it's just as wholesome as any other Christmas movie out there. And uh, probably will teach your kids a little more than the average Christmas movie. It's really lovely. Spicy. <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so before we get into plugs, let's talk about what we're covering next. So we are going to cover Cowboy Bebop, the movie. Um, but it's not going to air next week because it's Christmas time for us. So we're going we're gonna to take a one-week break. 
So that will air uh, in two weeks from now. So, you know, enjoy your Christmas, everyone. Have have a great, uh, happy new year. And yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see you in the new year with Cowboy Bebop the movie. We'll play. Yeah. And plug time. Okay, so you can find me at Jack is Jack on um, Instagram and only real Jack M on Twitter. Um, Lizzie, where can people find you or you don't want to be found? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can um, you can find me on Google, I guess. <laughs> uh, IMDb. Shoot, shoot up that IMDb, IMDb page. dude. And your Twitter. Oh, oh, my Twitter that I don't have. Yeah. And, and never, I don't even know the password to it. Exactly that one, yeah. Um, uh, Lizzie Boys, spelled L-I-Z-Z-I-E, uh, B-O-Y-S. Um, and you can find that on IMDb as well. Um, so that's it. No social media, though. Go, ah. no, girl. Love my girl. Um, I'm Alexandra Cole. You can find me on my Instagram at alexandra spelled a-l-e-k-s-a-n-d-r-a dot k-o-e-l and on my website www.alexandracole.com and on imdb as well spice awesome and you can uh you can find me on instagram at malcolm rj mcleod you can also find me on twitter at malcolm rj mcleod maybe it'll be a christmas miracle and i tweet this year that, that we'll find out uh and anyway what is he gonna tweet about stay tuned Ooh, maybe I'm, you know, yeah. Breast uh, milk? Could be, could be anything, maybe, yeah. Get that, yeah, that ringing endorsement. Um, milking it from the source? Yeah, you know that M, yeah, yeah that M milk. Yeah, from straight from the source, um, as I said earlier. Uh, yeah, and you can uh, find the podcast, uh, podcast at uh, is this anime pod on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, pretty active on Instagram. Yeah. If you also uh, enjoyed this podcast, uh, feel free to leave a review. Reviews are really helpful for small podcasts like us. Give us five stars. Let us know what your thoughts are. Everyone who's reached out so far has been, you know, been really nice. So keep it going or be critical. Who knows? Who cares? It's Christmas, all right? So be nice, all right? It's, it's Christmas. Hurt me. Let's, <laughs> let's put the knives. The knives should only be for carving a turkey. Uh, anyways, uh, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, does anyone else have any final thoughts? Um, you, you mentioned be nice. I had a nightmare like a month ago, and it still, it still resides in me where I read a review. It was a nightmare, so it's not a real review, but I read a review in my nightmare where um, they said Malcolm was great and Jack was a terrible host and they should get someone else. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm sad now. <laughs> and it's, it's, I still have the feeling. I still have it in my heart. So it clearly my psyche um, in between me wrestling shadow people in my bed, uh, I also read um, terrible reviews of our podcast in my nightmares. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect that to be the final thought. I know. Uh, <laughs> What a okay! What a what a twist! What a twist! Well, we, we love you, Jack. We do love you. Yeah, I've been joking. I've been joking. I had to choke out a shadow man in my nightmare two nights ago. It was fucked up. <laughs> what do you mean you choked out a shadow man? Well, it was like he was attacking me in my he was attacking me in my room, and I had to like choke him, or else I would die. And I thought I was like in a I thought I was like in an Inception level dream, and I was like, "What the fuck? I'm not dreaming because this looks like my room." And then thankfully, I was dreaming. Because I was like, someone's breaking and entering, and I got killed. Directed kill by Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. no, nice. man. My nightmare. I wish I couldn't dream, man. Some of my nightmares are fucked.
Oh, oh Jack. No. Well, on that note, Merry Christmas and Happy yeah, Merry holidays, Christmas, everyone. everyone. Uh, I guess I guess I should have saved that for Paprika. A movie about dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we'll, we'll, we're, we're going to revisit that. Well, Paprika's uh, on the list, uh, so when that pops up, uh, we're going to talk about the shadow people. Uh, anyways, I think that uh, wraps it up. Uh, and remember, uh, this Christmas, instead of using eggnog, I'm using mommy milk. Goodbye. L- later, Power Bottoms. Power Bottoms.